Hi, I'm Gary and this is episode 60 of EV Musings, a podcast about renewables, electric vehicles and things that are interesting to electric vehicle owners. On the show today, we're looking at how much it costs to rapid charge your vehicle. This episode marks the end of season three of the podcast and as is usual between seasons, we will be taking a few weeks off to relax and work on the next 20 episodes. I'll still be active on Twitter as well as highlighting a few earlier episodes that you might want to revisit to get your weekly EV musings fix. Thank you to everyone for being a part of the last 60 episodes, especially those who've taken part in the discussions I've had on here. I have the best listeners and participants, seriously. Imagine the situation. You're out driving in your EV. Because you didn't follow the EV musing guide to trip planning like a ninja, you find yourself running out of charge. Luckily, you pull into the motorway service area and find out that there's a row of brand new Ionity high-powered chargers sitting there. Nobody's using them. Excellent. Then you plug in and start to charge, only to find out that you're going to have to pay 69 pence per kilowatt hour. What? That's almost twice what the next cheapest are charging, and actually more than you would pay for the equivalent range in petrol. So what's going on? Well, today on the podcast, we're going to be looking at the different pricing models charge companies use, and how you can make sure you're paying the lowest price for your charging. Obviously, the cheapest place to charge your EV is at home, if you can. With time-of-day tariffs such as Octopus Go or Agile Octopus, you can get cheap electricity overnight to charge your vehicle. If you don't have the ability to charge at home, Podpoint run a network of chargers across the country that are available for free. Many Tesco stores now have these chargers installed. Just plug in, open the app, and confirm your free charge. But there are literally dozens of different charge companies across the UK and even more across the world that all seem to want to charge a different amount and a different method for their services. Some of these charges are fixed price. For example, Instavolt charge 35 pence per kilowatt hour regardless. Some are speed dependent. For Polar, it's 40 pence a kilowatt hour for their high power charges and 30 pence a kilowatt hour for their rapid charges. Some have a connection fee. Genie Point charge 30 pence a kilowatt hour plus a connection fee which varies depending where the charge is located. Some of them build different amounts for the same charge depending on whether you're paying via an RFID card or an app or via other methods. Alpha Power charge 25 pence a kilowatt hour for RFID card charges and 33 pence a kilowatt hour if you scan a QR code on their units. All of this makes it incredibly complicated to decide which charges to use and how much your charge is going to cost you. Today, we're going to do a bit of a deep dive into charge costs and see what we can find out. Just as a note, all data on this podcast come from uh, ZapMap or PlugShare. Obviously, if you can find somewhere that has a low fixed price per kilowatt hour regardless of how you pay, then this is ideal. Podpoint are the masters of this. Their fast chargers are free and their rapid chargers are only 23 pence a kilowatt hour. The only problem with Podpoint is availability. In the UK, the rapids are mainly located at larger little stores and tend to be single unit installations. And this means they'll often be either in use or iced. If you don't mind paying a little more, then you need to be looking at Instavolt and Ingeni or Osprey, as they're going to be renamed. They charge a fixed rate of 35 pence for Instavolt and 36 pence for Ingeni for every kilowatt hour. They have contactless charging and a reasonable coverage of the country. 
With InstaVault, you'll generally get two or more charges at each location. With Ingenie, you'll get one in most locations and two in some. However, if you're in Central Wales, the Northern Pennine, Lincolnshire and Devon and Cornwall, your coverage is limited with these two networks, which means you have to go and find a network that has the best coverage across the country. But this is where you'll run into problems. The Polar Network from BP Chargemaster has the largest network coverage of rapid charges in the country, but their pricing model, while clearly defined, is quite complex. Basically, for a given charge, you can pay a different rate depending on the speed of the charger, the type of payment method, and whether or not you subscribe to their Polar Plus service. This means you can pay anything from 15 pence a kilowatt hour to 40 pence a kilowatt hour for a simple kilowatt hour of electricity. With Polar Plus, you get the lower rate, but there is a £7.99 per month subscription fee. The other issue with most Polar locations is that they're single unit. If you get there and it's been used, or worse, broken, you're out of luck and you'll need to go to your backup charger. You do have a backup charger, right? Next is the granddaddy of charging networks, Ecotricity. They work on a simple model of fixed price per kilowatt hour, 30 pence, but if you also get your home electricity from them, that halves to 15 pence a kilowatt hour. The problem with Ecotricity is that the current charges can be very hit or miss if you're using CCS, although the CHAdeMO connectors appear generally to be fine. Ecotricity are mainly located on motorway service areas and tend to have one or two units at each location. This will change however as we move forward as Ecotricity and Tesla appear to have clubbed together to put in planning permission for combined charging areas in at least three motorway service areas and this will provide anything from 8 to 12 Ecotricity chargers, the Neutritium ones, alongside 10 to 20 Tesla superchargers at each location. But now we're getting onto the area of high power chargers. Generally, companies such as Ecotricity, Ingenie, Instavolt and Podpoint have chargers that are rapid, not high powered, maxing out at around 50 kilowatt. Instavolt claims to have 125 kilowatt charging, but in reality that's a misnomer as they need two slower chargers linked together to provide that. Only their newer installations can do that, and not all of the newer installations are connected in that way. However, some of the other networks in the UK, such as Fastnet, Ionity and Polar, now provide 150 kilowatt and higher charging. This is great if you're driving a larger battery car, such as an iPace, a Kona or an e-tron. The higher speeds will cut down charging times and free up chargers for other users sooner. Of the three networks I just mentioned, only one of them bills more for the faster charge than the others, and that's Polar. If you're paying contactlessly, the price jumps from 30 pence a kilowatt hour to 40 pence a kilowatt hour for the higher charge speeds. Both Fastnet and Ionity charge a fixed price per kilowatt hour regardless of how fast the charge is. However, this charge can be quite high. Fastnet charge 39 pence a kilowatt hour for their chargers, which can reach 350 kilowatts. It has to be said though, when Simon and I did our 1000 kilometer journey around England, we stopped at the Fastnet 350 kilowatt charger in Sunderland and managed a maximum of 30 kilowatts. Not so Fastnet for us anyway. And that brings us back to Ionity. The Ionity chargers are open to everyone who drives a car running the CCS charging standard but they've deliberately priced themselves very, very high. As several people on Twitter have said, it's almost like they don't want people to use their chargers. I think this is actually a true statement. 
I honestly don't want Joe Public using their chargers. That's why they deliberately price them so high. So who do I honestly want using their chargers? To answer that question, you have to look at why Ionity was created. And to answer that question, we have to start with Tesla. As anyone who drives a Tesla will tell you, the Tesla supercharger network is awesome. It's a string of well-maintained, high-powered, multi-station charging locations that offer free charging to Model S and Model X drivers, mostly, and low-priced charging to other Tesla drivers. They charge 24 pence a kilowatt hour. This is billed automatically to the car and needs no app, card, or RFID fob. What that provided was a ready-made, simple, cheap way of guaranteeing Tesla owners would be able to charge their cars. It didn't rely on third-party charge providers. It didn't need some app or registration with a supplier to use. Just plug and play. As a result, Tesla owners generally quote this as being a unique selling point for anyone wanting to buy a new Tesla. So when other non-Tesla EVs were being considered, a group of manufacturers decided they wanted to be able to provide similar charging functionality for their customers. Ionity is a joint venture of BMW Group, Ford Motor Company, Mercedes-Benz AG, and Volkswagen Group with Audi and Porsche. It's anticipated that drivers of vehicles made by those companies will be able to take advantage of the planned 400 Ionity charging locations across Europe. To do this though, you had to have what's called an MSP, a Mobility Service Provider contract. Each motor manufacturer has a different MSP contract with different charging fees, but they all tend to be a monthly subscription and a cost per kilowatt hour. If you drive the Audi e-tron, for example, you can use Ionity chargers for 28 pence a kilowatt hour with a monthly subscription of a little under 17 pounds. That subscription may sound high, and it is, but if it's saving you 41 pence a kilowatt hour on your Ionity charging, it can pay for itself pretty quickly in about one charge on the 71 kilowatt hour battery of the e-tron. If you're traveling around Europe in an e-tron, you can use the Ionity chargers, which are widespread across the different countries. There are currently a grand total of nine locations in the UK and five more in Ireland. The UK locations generally have four or six chargers, so the chances of you not finding one to use are slim. So far, all the chargers we've talked about work on a fixed price per kilowatt hour, but that's not the whole story. If you start to go further afield, you'll hit a different type of pricing structure, the charge per minute. This is quite prevalent in places such as Norway and Sweden, but the US has also gone for this in quite a big way. Let's look at the Fortum network in Norway, for example. They charge two and a half Norwegian crowns per minute for a 50 kilowatt rapid charge. But other providers in Norway charge one and a quarter crowns per minute plus 2.9 crowns per kilowatt hour. That can add up to a pretty high bill fairly quickly although it's still cheaper than petrol in Norway. A little bit further south in Sweden, there are 50 kilowatt charges costing two and a half Swedish crowns per minute. Across stateside, Electrify America is one of the bigger charging companies. Their charging works according to speed, and it's tiered as follows. $1 per session, plus 99 cents a minute for 125 kilowatts or more, 69 cents a minute for 125 kilowatts down to 75 kilowatts, and 25 cents a minute at 75 kilowatts or less. These are rock up and pay prices. There is a Polar Light membership option which reduces the price per minute, but includes a monthly subscription charge. Now, if we look at these figures, it means that filling our imaginary 71 kilowatt hour e-tron from 10 to 80% on a 125 kilowatt charger will cost $26.74. When you look at that and you see Tesla pricing at 24 cents a kilowatt hour fixed rate with charging up to 250 kilowatts, 
you realise why Tesla has the US market sewn up when it comes to EVs. Even my 30 kilowatt hour sole, which will take 17 minutes to go from 10 to 80% on a 125 kilowatt charger, would cost me $17.83, which is about £12.89 to charge. Compare that with an Instavolt charger that would cost £7.35, and you can see the rate is considerably higher. If I was to take the slower option of 25 cents a minute, the price would drop to $8.25, which is about £6.20. This is actually 15% lower than Instavolt, and what this indicates is that the American charge providers are looking at incentivizing people to charge slower rather than faster. Could this be so that they spend more time at a given location, which will usually have retail opportunities nearby? You may think that I couldn't possibly comment. So far, we've talked about paying for charging at the rates specified by the individual charge providers, but there is another option. There are networks that have sprung up that allow you to use a single RFID card across numerous charge providers. One example of this is New Motion. They're a company ultimately owned by Shell, and their RFID card lets you access all the Shell chargers around the country, but they've also connected in with lots of other ChargePot suppliers to let you use the New Motion RFID card on their networks. Be warned though, for some charges, New Motion will bill more than the underlying network charge. For example, at the closest charger to me, the base price is £1.20 connection fee, then free to use. But if I use the new motion card, they'll charge me 43 pence a kilowatt hour. In this case, you're paying for convenience. So, to summarise, I did the calculations in an earlier episode that as long as the price per kilowatt hour of charging was less than around 63 pence, it was still cheaper to charge a car than pay for fossil fuels. With one exception, every charge provider in the UK easily beats that standard. The exception is Ionity, who, as we've already mentioned, are gearing their offerings to drivers in specific marks of vehicle and have subscription services around that to reduce the price. But even within the UK, the range of pricing is varied and, despite efforts to the contrary, still quite confusing. We have legislation in place to mandate contactless payment at each charger. Is it about time we looked at homogenising the pricing levels too? By that, I mean, surely it shouldn't cost you more to charge your car at the same charger if you pay contactless than if you have an RFID fob. Surely using an app shouldn't be cheaper than scanning a QR code and using that to start your charge. I can understand charging more for faster charge speeds, although Tesla doesn't do that, but why penalise drivers because of the payment method they use? Hopefully I'll be talking to some of the charging companies next season and I'll ask them all these specific questions. In the meantime, my recommendation is to see which network or networks service your potential needs the best and determine whether there are any lower charge options you can use. Polar have the most complex pricing structure, but if you're a Polar Plus subscription member, it can work out relatively cheap as long as you charge regularly. If you're in an area served by Instavolt and Engini, you're going to be paying reasonably high rates for your electricity, but their units are reliable and easy to use, so that can offset some of the cost. With the right vehicles, i.e., Chadmo cars such as Leaf and the early Kia Soul, Ecotricity will potentially work if you travel on the motorway a lot. If you live near a little, then the Podpoint network is your friend for rapids as long as you can find a charger that's available or not iced. It's time for a cool EV or renewable thing to share with your listeners. I mentioned it earlier in this episode, but I want to loop back around to the Ecotricity Tesla hookup at motorway service areas. Eagle-eyed followers of planning applications have noticed that there have been planning applications submitted to the relevant councils to add new charges at certain specific existing motorway service areas. 
So far, the list seems to be restricted to the Moto group of service areas, and it includes Pease Pottage, where 12 Tesla and 6 Ecotricity chargers are planned, Thurrock Services, where 16 Tesla and 10 Ecotricity chargers are planned, Birch Services, where 10 Tesla and 6 Ecotricity chargers are planned, and Reading Services, where 12 Tesla and 10 Ecotricity chargers are planned. By the looks of the planning applications, the new chargers will be Tritium, which is a departure for Ecotricity, and they look to be single-use CCS chargers only. The units shown on the application appear to be Tritium PK350 units, which start at 175kW, and are upgradable to 350kW and even 475kW. Obviously the scalability is related to the power available at the site, but with a large number of Tesla superchargers, which will be the V3250kW versions, it's a good bet that the incoming power will, will be quite impressive. Links to planning applications for Peace Pottage are in the show notes. And that's the show for today. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you want to contact me, please use EV Musings' Twitter account, Musings EV. If you want a quick reference ebook to read on your Kindle, I wrote a little something called So You've Gone Electric. It's available on Amazon Worldwide for the measly sum of 99p or equivalent, and it's a great little introduction to living with an electric car. At the moment, it's free on Kindle Unlimited or if you're in the Kindle Lending Library. Please check it out. Leave a review. Let me know whether you liked it or not. Links for everything we've talked about in the podcast today are in the description. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. It's available on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave a review as it helps raise visibility and extend our reach in search engines. Remember, there's no new episodes of the EV Musings podcast for the next couple of weeks as we take our end of season hiatus, but we'll be back in October with brand new episodes. Thanks as always to my co-founder, Simon. You know, I was curious as to whether he was going to go to one of the Hearts EV meets this year in his cosplay of Elon Musk. When I asked him, he looked enigmatically at me and he said, you may think that I couldn't possibly comment. Thanks for listening. Bye.